Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. get when you mix double agents, secret rebel societies, ballistic blades, and a lethal love triangle? You get 2004's House of Flying Daggers. This masterpiece of wuxia action romance was director Zhang Jimao's follow-up to our, I'm going to call it our lost episode movie, Hero. Uh, this movie earned an Oscar nomination for Best Cinematography thanks to its luscious and colorful camera work. And so that saw Zhang Ziyi lead us through a maze of secrets, betrayals, real or perceived, and the deadly consequences of love. Masters of couch potato style, punches and popcorn. Welcome back to another episode of Punches and Popcorn, where we are going back into Wuxia, or, well, for our audience, we are going for the first time into Wuxia, uh, because as I mentioned, we previously did an episode on the classic film Hero that, for a multitude of reasons, is lost to time, so uh, someday we'll redo it, but uh, we are we're now doing House of Flying Daggers, so I'm excited to get into this, and of course, without further delay, let me introduce the rest of my Couch Potato Ninja clan here. First off, I've got the man on the boards, our magic man, Matt Knotts. When we talk about heroes, Zencaster is not one of them. We'll redo it again one day. Uh, I'm super stoked to talk about House of Flying Daggers. The, you know what? This is our first date night movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, if you are listening here and uh, your loved one is not beside you, this is one you can pull them along and... You know, watch this movie. Yeah, great date night movie. So we're we're in the mood for love, even though we're uh, it's March. We can still be uh, love is good all year round. And uh, speaking in a man who's always in the mood for love, it is our genius, the ambassador, Jason Bills. Yeah, romance is in the air, especially there's there's a few weird sexually assaulty scenes going on. Here. Uh, <laughs> some of my favorite lines of dialogue, though, like if I uh, die up her skirt, at least I can flirt in heaven so you know there is romance in the air you you're right <laughs> there are words for all to live by excellent and of course we cannot uh we cannot leave out our esteemed professor the doctor of love dr dominic demore <laughs> happy to be here and it is a i forgot how it's romantic until the end so if you haven't seen the movie spoiler alert it ends bad. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, when you think about it, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. 
Okay, I'm done. Boy, doesn't that well, sum up the whole movie, though? Kind of, yeah. This, you know, we've got, I expect that we are going to be getting deep into all this and more. We might get deep into love, possibly balls deep. <laughs> that's, that's all, right? Oh <laughs> all right i'm officially quitting we'll... the show i'm done well, i think it's my mom can't listen to this podcast wait no guys i i thought <laughs> you lost our producer i have actually chased man away wow so yeah, I think I'm gonna stop talking for a moment. And uh, guys, welcome back uh, again. I'm looking forward to your much more intelligent and mature thoughts on this film than I. Uh, but just how we usually start, I'm interested in. Uh, so House of Flying Daggers. This is again, it's 2004. Zhang Jimao, uh, Wuxia classic. And just interested in your initial thoughts on it. What do you think about this movie? Do you like it? Do you not? All that good stuff. Yeah, I like it. It's good. I'm glad we're here. <laughs> it's good. I just had to f- I, jump in. I felt like <laughs> there was some dead air there. Don't all, don't all go at once, guys. One of us had to break the seal. It was going to be me this time. Um, no, so I'll give you my 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 opening salvo. Um, yeah, so I think this is for me. Like you said, it's it's very much in the vein of the, the clashes classic wuxia movies uh or, or stories um it's got a feel very similar to all the the shaw brother stuff that i really love the very operatic feel the the expansive vistas and stuff but then it, it's kind of cranked up to another degree for the uh you know the the amount of cgi adjusted kind of wire stunts and, and that sort of stuff. But it's all in service to a really interesting, you know, uh, love story combined with, you know, political intrigue. And, like, there, there's a lot going on in this flick, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah, I think uh, if the lost episode of Hero was to be recovered or had been heard you would have heard i for myself that uh usually i've not been as big a fan of the wuxia especially this uh more of the modern stuff because i felt like it's very uh, it gets like cgi all the wire work it's very fantastical and you know i like a little more of the the grittier uh, you know we're just coming off last movie we talked about was fist of fury and uh, that gets furiously violent in that movie so i really enjoy those kinds, but coming back and watching uh, this again, just like I had that experience with Hero, what I found again, it's a strikingly beautiful film. Um, uh, again, when they're doing stuff like dancing on top of a ring of drums, obviously there's there's some help there from wires or special effects, uh, but it's really cool. It's really beautiful, uh, amazingly choreographed. So, uh, you know, I found myself enjoying it and just this type of movie. It made me reconsider. Uh, these types of movies that, again, I've kind of thought of like, this isn't really in my wheelhouse of martial arts movies I like, but I, this is really good. How about you guys, Jay and Dom? Dom, what are your thoughts? You go. Well, I, I find it interesting on a lot of levels. So um, uh, the, the Wuxia films I find are 
they're more fantastical. So I like to think of them more like I'm looking at like a Tolkien-esque kind of fantasy mm. movie, but like, you know, Eastern style, you know, the heroes are epic. The villains are epic. They don't like, I think about like, if you watch the Lord of the Rings and you see, you know, um, Aragorn, he's hacking down a million orcs and you're like, that can't really happen, but you don't care because it's, it's fantastical. It's like an epic poem. And I feel like these are, are the same kind of thing. They're not trying to show you what happened when, how. They're telling you a fantasy that is maybe sort of based on reality. It's like an epic poem, a tall tale, things like yep. that. I also find a lot of these Wuxia films to be um, political in a way, in, in an sure. interesting way. Like, and you take you take the director's other film, Hero. Aside from the obvious good use of color, amazing special effects, etc., there's an interesting message, and it's actually opposite of Hero. In Hero, I found it to be a very nationalistic kind of movie. And yeah. to give credit where credit's due, the genius was the one to point that out first. So, like, watching this movie almost seemed like the opposite. You got you know, a corrupt, uh, faltering government. You got, like, you know, the Rebel Alliance, you know, and they're mm. warring it out. And I don't see any good guys or bad guys. I just see people taking the fall. Like, I just, I saw, like, it's almost like war and conflict ruins what otherwise is romance and connection and real mm. dynamics between people. Because think about it, like, you know, you got, the, the House of Flying Daggers, you got the government, they're at war with each other. I'm not really sure why. They don't really explore it. And, right. you know, and then you have this love story that just, you know, ends tragically. And, and I mean, it kind of says something about war and politics and how that, you know, ends in tragedy to normal people. And, and that's the one thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you kind of hit on a question I wanted to ask you guys, and uh, feel free to answer that or um, Jay. Oh, and I, we actually I've once again stepped over our gospel of the guillotine here. So I will I will throw out a question to Simmer, but then I want to hear <laughs> our gospel of the guillotine. The question I have is, is there a villain in this movie? So Simmer that. Genius, can you please hit us with some gospel? Yeah, I, I kind of hate to ruin the flow of the conversation, but uh, to to back up a little, I I, I kind of missed <laughs> this early two thousands era. Like, I it felt like Asian cinema, like really, you know, came over to North America and, and planted its flag in such a big way. And again, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. I mean, I I feel like all kind of occasionally we get imports and and they kind of bubble up and they have their moment and go away but i it's just like I, I miss it like just i mean think about like everything like so i i it did it start like maybe with 2000 or no or maybe it was 99 crouching tiger hidden dragon oh yeah and and so like yeah that, yeah i was about to say i was like that was the big one right it seems like yeah. you know that one oscars it got a claim and so that, that one started the best picture rolling. didn't it i think so yeah i should know that but i'm, I'm pretty sure it did <laughs> But, but I mean, we're getting like, I mean, and that's, you know, almost like, you know, the, a little snowball eventually turning into an avalanche in terms of cinema fans, because, you know, then we're obviously get hero, 
um, which yep. we've discussed. Uh, then, you know, obviously 2004, this movie, uh, House of Flying Daggers. But we're, we're getting stuff from, you know, North or North Korea. Wow. South Korea. <laughs> that would be weird, but it'd be fine. We would we'd, we'd give it a chance. But anyways, like think about Old Boy is 2003. Yep. Um, then you have like Memories of Murder, which was 2003 as well. So like oh, there's so just good. so much. Yeah, I know. There's just a ton of good movies coming from there. Then think about like J-horror at the time, like all the Japanese horror yep. films and also just like interesting Japanese movies like Infernal Affairs, which, you know, it's got so much heat that Scorsese remakes it to The Departed. Battle Royale. Uh, and then, like, even factor in, like, Miyazaki, like, his kind of, you know, in terms of peak international acclaim spirited away, um, it, you know, Princess Mononoke, like, it's, I just can't believe, like, it just, everything was happening. Like, even just, um, I'm trying to think of, like, Wong Kar Wai at the time, yep. within the mood for love. I, it's yep. just, I don't know, it was like this perfect sweet spot. And it was right when I was really becoming, you know, a, a movie person. So it just, you know, it was just a quick aside, if anything, like this was the time for Asian cinema to just kind of like take over the movies. And and I, I'm just like, I'll cut it off there because I want to get back to this movie. But there's there, I could list off 10 more movies like it's it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It was well, a really interesting time. Well, and even like you called out, Jay, I felt like for a while there, especially and it does feel like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was really the big crossover that planted mm -hmm. the flag, especially for this kind of fan fantastical uh the wuxia piece that it felt like every year we were getting at least one big historical uh you know fantastical film like this like the ones you mentioned like fearless um yeah oh, what's the one like curse of the golden flower or something yeah this i think that's his next movie uh this director uh yes uh, right. So there was a period where like these things were frequently coming out. A lot of them had Jet Li. It seemed like it was Jet Li, Chow Yun-Fat, Michelle Yeoh, like one or combination. Zhang Zi seemed to be in almost all of them. Um, and these weren't just in your like, you know, independent cinema. Like I saw um, these movies in, well, several of them at least, in, in like regal cinemas. Like it, right. it, they really like it, it was really interesting. Like, I kind of missed that. I agree, Jay. Wonderful. Well, yeah, so getting back to this movie, uh, or not getting back to this movie, focusing on this movie specifically, well Matt's said. just shaking his head at me. I'm, man, I am failing all around. I, no, you're succeeding. I, I feel That's like Leo in this movie. I'm just, I'm, I'm ruining the experience for everyone. <laughs> Jay, what are your thoughts on this movie? Or, uh, yeah, let's focus yeah, no, on I mean, I kind of just, what. What all you already said on that, just and kind of the romance. What I kind, I think I like this more than Hero because I'm kind of a sucker for more. I I don't I don't super love you know big you know like oh this character let's go visit this character like a like a super huge ensemble. I like how tight this is. I yeah. like that there's kind of three main characters and and we're with them. We get really time with them getting their heads, and 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 the romance absolutely uh, you know works, which. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge romance guy, but like, I mean, there is there's some heat between our, our I would say, our, at least our two leads. The Andy Lau, the third third lead, is, is a little. I, if you were going to ask who's the villain, I I, I think it's him. <laughs> Ooh, well, this was gonna. So that was a question that I was yeah. uh, going to ask. Um, but for I will I will concur that I like that it really. So it's interesting that again with these movies and we talked about like all these big like giant flowing epics. And this, you know, is visually like 
uh, stunning. There's a lot going on, but it's, it is interesting to rewatch it and see that it's really tightly focused on, it really is three characters. Yeah. And I mean, even like looking at the Wikipedia page, like they own their cast, they only list Andy, Andy Lau, uh, Zhang Zi and Takashi Kaneshiro. Like that's it. They don't let anybody out. Cause everyone else is, it's either a combatants or background basically. Mm-hmm. So it's, so it's interesting that I kind of appreciate more that they could do that. Now we've talked uh, in other cases about how I really appreciate movies that rein it in probably because uh, I have such a hard time reining in my uh, thought thread. So I like stories that do. Um, yeah, that was really cool. So uh, in that three, because you kind of hinted on your thoughts on Leo there, um, I'm interested. Uh, this is where I was going to start us in. And I don't know. I, my uh, my love comment just threw everything out the door. Uh, I'm interested to know from all of you: are you uh, are you Team Leo or Team Jin? I'm kind of shocked you're asking this. Obviously, we're all Team Jin. I assume, but I wanted to ask. I don't. I don't. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to make an assumption here. I, I can jump in on that. Yes, like, I do. find that the. This is going to be a serious one, isn't it? We're not being very funny. I just realized because I, I just had like, like this is not going to be like joke, joke, joke. Right? Um, you bring the shit really, in here. This is what we happens. can process through yeah. that. Somebody tell a joke. Anyway, um, I no, tried it's just, it. <laughs> you put some can, put some can laughter like Scooby Doo behind me. <laughs> um, no, uh, so. I mean, it's interesting. This movie's what twenty years old ish. Yeah, just about, about that. So I, I feel like <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Um, as I've gotten older, in twenty years, I've turned from a from a a twenty something with his head three feet up his ass to a forty something with his head one and two thirds up his ass. I've kind of grown away from the characters of Leo. I don't like them and i he's not a villain that's the thing he's not a villain there are no villains in this movie there are flawed Mm. characters to have a villain and a hero it's like no 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 because you know you want the villain to lose you want the hero to win but there's just flawed characters so you can see the point of all the characters but leo the problem i have with leo is and and honestly Leo has aged poorly in the past 20 years because he fulfills that, quote, nice guy trope. Have you heard about that? Like, nice guys, you know, like how there's the woman and there's two guys that want the woman. And the one guy is the asshole and the other guy is the nice guy. And the woman always chooses the asshole when she should have chosen the nice guy. And that hasn't aged, that, that thing hasn't aged well. And neither has Leo's character in this movie because... Like, listen to Leo's logic. He's like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. That should make you want me. And I'm like, that's, and like, our society nowadays is like, that's not how people work. You don't just do nice stuff and they're like, okay, let's do it. Like, that's not how it works. (laughs) You know what? Like, and I feel like now, and we're a more progressive society, and we realize that women, like what they like it doesn't matter if they don't like you and you do all this crap to appease them it's still not going to work you know to quote space balls he doesn't <laughs> do it for you and leo just didn't do it for her and when she's like 
I like this guy better. He's better looking. His hair's better, etc. He's like, no, I did all this shit, so you gotta love me. And she's like, no. And it's a double standard because I think about movies about guys. You know, if the nice girl, who if there's a nice girl that is like not sexy, we don't expect the guy to go for her. We don't. We don't. We expect the guy to go for the hot chick, right? That's the reward. So how come it doesn't work that way with women in movies? So Leo, I don't. (laughs) No, I mean it. I mean, I, you know, and I mean it. I, I, I don't take Leo's side. It's like, you know, you I mean, how, how can you ex- take his side? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I guess I if you ignore, I don't, like, I don't find his the... angle. I, what I'm, what I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I find as I age and as our society ages, I think his angle of do all this wonderful stuff and her pants will fly off. Attitude but there's is really going out the door. And, and there's also that other side of the nice guy coin is when they don't get what they want, they show their true colors. By killing then, you. Or, or <laughs> trying to sexually assault you or sexual assault right. and then killing you. Like, which is, right, right, which is right. what we get here. So right, in a way, like this movie was ahead of its time. Like... Right, yeah. It was like a Me yeah, Too movie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> No, Jay. Come on, really? <laughs> well, I was just jumping. We, lo- we lost the listener. We there. just lost the listener. <laughs> <laughs> go, go. Uh, no, I think so. There's, I think, something to be said about, uh, you know, what does this movie say about the strength of women? Like, it's really interesting that when we finally meet the House of Flying Daggers, it's all women. The Leo's the only man that we know that we know of that's I associated that. with the house, yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah, the um, daggers are all women. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Also, right. how, how how much did we fail? And this is sort of an aside, but how much did we fail? At, and I've heard it Z Zang or Zang Z. Like, how is she not like a huge star? Like, I, I'm blown away by the fact that we couldn't figure that out. And she did have some heat for a moment in terms of like North American audience. Like, all right. we could think to do, and by we, I mean Hollywood, uh, is like, okay, so she's pretty awesome. Let's put her in memoirs of, of a geisha. And it's just like, that's what you did. And that didn't work. So right. now she's right. just banished, you know, back to, you know, her, her homeland, China. But that's, that's great. Like, good right. for her. Like, right. I mean, she had it. She's still working now. She's, doing fine but i just feel like it's such a missed opportunity because i mean she's got charisma for days right she's so elegant and she has no you know kung fu background it's all you know dancing right. and ballet which works perfect for this but I, I just every time i see her in a movie i'm like you know why isn't she like what wh- how did we screw this up right like i feel like she's going to be the one like michelle yo that like 20 oh, years from now she'll I have that so. wonderful That's moment right. and we'll be like what the hell? Like, why the hell did it take? Yeah, why until... were we sleeping on this? This right, thing? right, right, right. Like, I was just looking at like what has she done recently? Like in American films, she first Not I saw much, Avatar, right? and I was like, oh wow, cool. She was in Avatar, uh, the Way of the Water, but in the Mandarin dub. So, oh, now... she literally did the voice work. Interesting. Right. Uh, the only other things are like Cloverfield Paradox, which is. Oof. I have. I mean, I just assume that's the worst of the Cloverfield movies. Uh, I hate um, that you have to assume that. You should know that it is. <laughs> I hope that uh, uh, some other Lunchador podcast does that movie. It has a very uh, just just side mode. It's got its most convoluted backstory to it. It's it's <laughs> I fascinating. Think could be it's a, a fascinating clusterfuck. It's a it's fascinating clusterfuck. The now the marketing that, it was... that anomaly would even want to get into. 
Anomalies next two movies are a Neil Breen movie and a Glenn Danzig movie. So I'm going to go with an enthusiastic oh. yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, oh, yes. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. The only other one, uh, she was in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That's no I, slouch. That's a funny yeah, movie. I, it is. But it, she played it's two different characters. So I I mean, I don't uh, you don't that. go to those movies for the humans in them. So no, and that's I usually think it's the King... biggest mistake because they usually put, you know, the the humans is ninety percent of the runtime, right? Mm-hmm. Which is always it, a yeah, mistake. It's a bad ratio. For I'm not even gonna get started. Like, okay. I'm not, don't <laughs> even get me started with, with, with oh, the movie lengths and it then the experts. Oh. See when okay. we do our monster podcast. Let's say, can we? But, are we just oh, we're committing turn to this, this now? A, a, a backdoor um, kaiju podcast? Is that it's, what we're you know, the, are they Marsh? Are kaiju? Backdoor kaiju. I've only got. No. I've only made it to volume four. That's a different kind of movie. You'll have to tell Uh, me about the rest, Dom. Is it? Is it? (laughs) The bukkake is deadly. Wow. Mike is spicy tonight. I am. uh, Yeah, I'm. uh, You send this guy on vacation. He comes back. He's all. all I I know. This isn't even like uh, like the drunken master one where just pounding screamers. (laughs) So. All right, we gotta let's do let's... another drunk episode. I, I miss those days. <laughs> I, I was so embarrassed it. by oh. that episode. I listened to it and I'm like, shut up, dude. Shut up, dude. I'm talking to myself. I'm like, why? What? No. No, 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 no. no. I, <laughs> I would love to institute an R podcast, a gold star category, like uh, our, our beloved last podcast on the left does. And for us, it would be like, if you listened all the way to the end of Drunken Master, you get a gold star. You're a gold star. Couchy, uh, all right. Commit to an <laughs> annual drunk episode once a year. I feel like we could do that. We, oh yeah, we absolutely. And if it's just annual, I think my liver can deal with it. Um, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did a bi-weekly drunk episode for like three years, <laughs> and that led to all kinds of health problems. Don't do that. <laughs> but that is, if you don't know what that is, our friends, our friends, our listeners, that is our fellow companion brother podcast on the lunch or network beer review journal who which always brings me a multitude of laughs so highly recommend uh checking that out on our network it's uh it's a barrel of laughs and usually you know five minutes into it what you're about to get in that episode so can't say you didn't get warned with whatever shenanigans unfold the rest of it go back and check the back issues because uh McKenneth and Matt can't really drink that much anymore. So we'll do something else soon. <laughs> the good we thing is they're all out there. For... Yeah, should, we do need to have McKenneth on again. That, that McKenneth was, is yeah. great fun. Great fun. All right. Back. Speaking House of, yeah, Flying, let's House of let's Flying Daggers. Yeah, so let's talk about yes. House of Flying Daggers. So, yeah, with Team Leo and Jin, I mean. Uh, I Mike, why I are you felt... struggling with this? I'm sorry. I just, I'm kidding. I'm not, so boy. I was gonna. So I was gonna say I, I felt sympathetic yes. with Leo until you know the rape, the attempted rape <laughs> and then attempted murder. Those are. Yeah, I guess he lost me there, bud. I don't, was uh, it attempted? I think it was. You know, no, spoiler. It was a successful, successful murder. Yeah. It was a successful well, yeah, murder. True. True. true <laughs> yeah. True. It just took a minute. It just. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something right now. Here's my science segment. If you get a knife in your heart. <laughs> That's going to suck. Not pulling it out, you're probably still going to die. 
<laughs> and by I probably, I mean now, definitely. <laughs> but can you, if you don't pull it up, is there any hope? Like if you're near a hospital when someone stabs you? Like in your heart? Yeah, in your heart. No. I, I got, I'm a hopeful person. I'm just hoping for some, like one out of a hundred. <laughs> There's a well, lot of... A lot of. Uh, can I take the science part tonight, Dom? If I can, if I can be the producer. Yeah. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. I, I'm gonna take the science part. See, when you stab somebody in the heart, there's a lot of gushy stuff in there, yeah, but and it's kind of contained. So then, if you poke it with a big sharpie thing, what all if you the leave the pokey stuff. in there? Then it, leave, then it's sort of then it just flows around it. It'll, it'll leak out around it. So you got the pokey and the gushy, and then you poke the gushy, and it just goes. <laughs> And, this and is that's, a good science. That's oh, no weird. good. <laughs> and that—that's. Would you like to do a guest lecture for my human anatomy class? Because that was super. <laughs> so that was really good. The pokey and the gushy. Dom, this is hey, see, this is your influence on all of us, and that we all we just all feel like we're, uh, you know, educated biologists. Um, you know, on vacation, I thought I was a herpetologist. Doing my extended studies of the iguana life of turned out you uh, just Yucatan forgot your veil tracks. Yeah, you know uh... nothing. Oh. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> Herpetologist, I said it turned out he just forgot his veil tracks. Nobody laughed. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so anyway, House of Flying Daggers. I like this movie a lot. Can we? Yeah, me too. We can. can we so get another Dom, another all, I, all of this is so your this fault because hand... you asked for more jokes. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, I'm interested. So we had some really uh, spectacular, uh, visually beautiful fight scenes. I'm interested in hearing from you. Kind of, what were your favorites? Which ones, you know, did you uh, love the best? I mean, I'll start off quickly. Uh, I think that that bamboo scene, uh, the fight. I I think it's one of the best. I mean, it is beautiful. It's terrific. It's so inventive. You know, bamboo has never been more dangerous. Uh, you know, like this should just be koalas on the side, just be like, no. Do they eat bamboo? Am I right? Am I, am I yeah, right? You're right. Oh, you're right. God. That's eucalyptus. That's I was so close. I was close. Oh, just, oh my hey. God. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Put those headphones. Two people quit the show. Put the headphones. Two people quit the show tonight. Hey, is hey. to get all of us at one point to be like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, hey. I'm stuck here. I'm not going anywhere. Hey, biology okay, a boy. panda. I'm sorry. Another no. cute <laughs> bear-like creature. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus is koalas. Biology boy. Come on. That's man. what I said. You, you said, said koalas. You said pandas. No. No, he said pandas <laughs> for the bam. I don't know. Do we I even know? That. All right, so Jay really oh liked God. the Everyone floor. rewind, <laughs> and you'll hear Jay said koalas, <laughs> and I go, koalas eat eucalyptus. You're talking about pandas. Or red pandas. I like that movie, Turning Red. That was Such good. Such a good movie. That was I haven't movie. seen it. I heard it's good. <laughs> yep. so oh, it's good. very good. It's Watch very good, and it's got some great, uh, some great 90s-style boy band pop songs put into it. Good music. Yeah. Do we exactly. like this movie? I feel like we're not talking about the movie. Oh, I, okay, I'm gonna jump in on the bamboo. I, that's my favorite scene jump too. In. I think it's, it's I think so it's wonderful. Good. Yeah, and one of the things that makes it good is it is, and it might have been the time period, or you know, you got to give the director credit where credit's due. But I find the meshing of practical effects and CGI yes. is done so good. Is pitch well perfect in this in mm -hmm. that scene. 
Because clearly there's no way you're going to get practical effects throwing a hundred bamboo stalks, making having to make all the proper noise and landing. No, it's all clearly, you know, CGI. But also you definitely have people on wires. You definitely have bamboo moving all over the place. There's people swinging around. And, like, we don't get movies like that anymore. I, the last movie I saw that blended practical effects and CGI that well was Mad Max Fury and in fact, that mm -hmm. scene reminded me of because you remember Man Max Fury Road where they're fighting because they're on those long poles and then they come down and they, ah, yep. and they bounce oh, back. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh my goodness, like that scene reminded me of this. The bamboo scene is arguably one of the best, like you said, Jay, one of the best uh, martial it's arts scenes. I, I was, I was like, oh my god, I forgot how amazing this is. I was like, the movie can end here and it's fine. Like I <laughs> right. absolutely, no, I absolutely loved it, and. Um, I mean, and and just to kind of kind of work out from that, I found that the use of CGI in this movie was just enough to make it fantastic. They were smart because the stuff mm -hmm. that you think could really happen, they did with practical effects, and the stuff that was clearly like they're heroes, they have almost supernatural abilities that stuff was cgi so like when he shoots the four arrows at the four dudes and like skims their skims their um their outfits and they pretend mm -hmm. to yep. die i'm like never gonna happen but the way they filmed it it's like who cares it's it's fantastical and it's great right, um right. don't move that way Nobody cares. It looked awesome, and and, yeah, I and think... it's cool too because it builds character. Because then you're like, okay, so our our you know quote unquote lead that she's with right now is it's really good at his job. Yeah, yeah, and they're all fantastically good heroes, and they all have like over the it, it you know it's almost like almost has an anime feel to it in a way, and and I really like that. It really felt like I was being told a tall tale, like you know, like the Odyssey one of those right. things i keep coming back to mythology and and that kind of thing and i really feel that way and i feel like the kung fu movies uh, that you know not the wuxia but like kung fu proper movies they don't have that kind of whimsy to them they don't have that fantastical feel to them yeah. i like them because as mike said they're gritty the blood and sweat and rage and, and I'm, i love that kind of thing but this was like this was for a movie that was romance and war and death it was it was it was fun is not the right word it was oh, i can't there, I'm trying. it's it's hard because you think of the end but there is a lot of the movie that is fun um <clears throat> it, it's visually uh, again it's beautiful i dom i'm glad that you brought up the anime thing because i actually thought of that a few times there's some of the ways some of it is shot like I thought of the scene leading up to that, like the fight that's kind of a fake fight with the soldiers in the forest. Initially, there's the scenes where like she's running through the forest and the way that like the trees are flying behind her. It made me think of the like where we'll get those running scenes, uh, you know, in anime with like, you know, this almost still on the character and the backgrounds flying past. Not <laughs> thinking of, I remember Matt, you tell me, saying so about your son that does the. <laughs> the run like that oh yeah the naruto run yeah <laughs> yeah right, yeah. right. which my <laughs> yeah. kids did too i think it's just natural like children learn to run like naruto even if they've never seen but it, like it's that type of thing like there was that type of visual in it that it, again it looked natural and was great in it but so it, basically yeah, the, the opening scene to ninja gaiden 
You know the video yes. game where I'm dating myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, you know exactly. that Yeah, that's the quintessential, like, thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, um, and, and I think the use of set pieces behind that elevates yep. it beyond just spectacle. Oh, so can we talk about the costumes? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, insane. Like, insane. The production value on the way these people looked and dressed. Like, with the long sleeves at the... Oh, yeah. It's a brothel, clearly, but the yeah. entertainment it's house. A, it's a like, dance the peony pavilion. Place. Yeah. Yeah, and they look like there's the no ornate... double entendre to flowers. Yeah. Never. <laughs> yeah. And, Don't and ask there's... George O'Keefe about that. <laughs> no, like the ornate carvings yes. and the carpets and the oh, outfits they wear. And they contrast each other really nicely. Like the soldiers are wearing dark green and red whereas the house of flying daggers are wearing a very like vivid light green and you know he's wearing blue and it's just like it's it's just the director really knows how to use color well and doesn't use it sparingly but it doesn't look tacky or overblown or uh, gaudy is the word i'm looking for and and I, i think it's and i think it's 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 arguably his forte. You take that yeah. and you take and you take hero and right, it's right. just this man uses a palette that is just it's very primary, but it's also yes. insanely well used and and I think it's it's visually stunning. There were times when I just paused it and looked at the screen. I mean oh, yeah. and, and not to ramble on, I apologize, but they actually go through four seasons in this one movie. If you notice, it's like spring. Yes. They go yeah, out yeah. and there are flowers, and then it's summer, and they're all they're all happy, and then fall, and everything kind of shit hits the fan, and then she dies in the winter. So it, the whole story arc is season. They use seasons in the environment right. as a way of expressing that, and I think that's genius. So this is a very artistic movie. Not just is it romantic. I find it very artistic, and I think it's a real spectacle. And yeah, I and really it's, enjoy it. And it's crazy. Our Jay, I hope I'm not like stealing your thunder. If you were going to jump into this, but I was reading that uh, according to Zhang Jimao, that the snow, the winter, wasn't actually planned. They were filming that in Ukraine, and. Yeah. They had planned it for just to be the fall, and then it started. It started snowing, and he just kind of lightning in a bottle was like, "Wow, this is great!" And he's just like, "Nope." Like they were initially going to pack up and try to film again later when the storm went through, and they decide, and he decided, "No, this is great. Let's go with it and use and use it." And uh, again, we got the this Stark, which again is very fitting to the theme of the movie. That is wild. That it, again is according to. Uh, the director that was completely unplanned and just something they rolled with when they Which were is filming. Weird because like you were saying, Dom, like it works so well. All four seasons are represented. Like, right. how is that not intentional? <laughs> it ends in the winter perfectly. Like that, that was right. You know, just right. happened to happen is like, what? Wow. Like good, right. good for you movie. Good for you movie gods. Yeah. And right. the call, and you go ahead. Oh, it's just what you're probably going to get to is that you're right. Like this is something that we definitely saw in hero. And we see here, where he likes using these uh, almost like an entire palette to represent like an act of the film. Um, I was looking at, I wouldn't know enough about this to speak with any sort of authority, Um, but it's it's supposedly this is related to uh, an element in Chinese philosophy, uh, Wuxing, where there's like, there's the five elements that 
are like central to life. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, interplay with different types of culture and philosophy, et cetera. But it's based on these like five primary colors. Uh, it's like so Captain Planet. Kind of. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that the elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And the wood is, is blue. Fire is red. Earth is yellow. Metal is white. And water is black. And it's interesting to see, and it's used differently than, um, you know, where, when we compare this to Hero, uh, that was like, we got that Rashomon type of story there where we had the different stories happening or the different perspectives of the story, versions of the story, and there he used those colors to kind of give us, set the frame for, well, this, now we're going to see the story in this way and it might be all red or this time it's going to be all, all blue and uh, so it's different here, right? The, where we get those palettes, you know, where we get like in the in the brothel, everything is a shade of blue. Like in the forest, everything is a shade of um, green. Like we get the like the brownish yellow in the field area. Um, yeah, it's I, I love it. it. Just like you said, that they effectively use like all different shades, but they all like flow together really well. It's man, it's. It's impro which I can see. Like this is exactly the kind of stuff why this got a cinematography uh, Oscar nod. Mm -hmm. I say, I wonder what beat it. I'm gonna get to look that up. Good but, question. Yeah, and also the the budget was just twelve million dollars, and I don't know whether that's just like, you know, China they can just you know get a lot of people working for free or something like that because i mean the man the just the man out i mean it's such an undertaking and it's not like that like you guys are perfectly describing how gorgeous the movie is and the colors and the themes within the colors that they all play off of each other but i feel like in america like I, you know if i remember at the time like you know steven soderbergh would do that in a movie like traffic but he would just put like a blue tint over the lens right. whereas this is like right. the whole cast is just green they're in a bamboo green forest and it's just beautiful and so i just you know it, it's just shocking you know what what they got done on, on that on that limited of a budget because i think it was like half of what hero what they did with hero and I, honestly i in oh my kid hero is beautiful but this is just like i don't know it's it's just every scene is like you just want to hang it on your wall it is it is uh just for your information the movie that beat it out for the cinematography oscar in 2004 was oh. the aviator uh, it okay. it was also in there with the Passion of the Christ. That's another Ugh. fun one. Yeah. Uh, Phantom of the Opera and a very long engagement. So that was the, the company. Phantom of it the was Opera in. movie got an Oscar nomination for cinematography. They were trying Sorry. real hard. They were trying real hard. <laughs> Anyways, back to yeah. Let's back focus. to back to House of Flying Daggers. I also have this is completely off the radar here. I apologize, but I love fake games and movies like like i always think yes. of like battlestar galactica as a tv show or was a tv show um and they had this game called pyramid and, and mike and i you, we were talking about this yesterday is that that weird game in top gun maverick where they're like on this on this <laughs> dog fight football with the, yeah which like you said is, is not a game like it's just weird so this they have the echo game and i just yeah. in the movie like it's like oh we're gonna play the echo game everyone get ready this is exciting i'm like this game is not a thing and then it, it's <laughs> it's it's most i've never seen a crazier game so like you have to you need a blind person to start this game like it, it's not gonna sorry but then uh, it's yes. fun that they call back to it later when she has her reunion of sorts with 
uh, with Leo in the forest where the, the, what is he's like the beans and throwing the daggers and the bamboo right trees exactly yes it's so that actually that scene is where i got bought into it because or bought into the movie the the original echo game because uh i've probably talked about before but i definitely like tweeted about this during ninja week my or ninja november my favorite superhero you know one of them growing up was daredevil and this was so dare between like one the like blind superhero uh you know i mean she's like a superhero with what she can do but then when he's like the accuracy that he's flipping that he's flicking those those beans i immediately thought of bullseye and throughout of this movie i mm. thought of bullseye because i'm like that's basically what house of flying like if you told me bullseye was raised in the house of flying daggers that would make total sense like the accuracy and ridiculousness but i just like and the beans are like how does this guy he can just like throw these things and hit like i'm gonna hit this drum and then this one this one like that's then, great o- only bullseye would be able to do that but we would need uh, in the daredevil comic or movie we need a second act reveal where we find out daredevil can see like that's what oh, I, I mean he can't just through like ecto echolocation yeah well our our lead here can, can see fine she's she's a fake she's fake yeah, there's no blind people in this movie that's no, the funny thing people. And it's funny, I saw this movie right when it came out, and I don't remember much about it, except for, like, it was visually stunning, great effects, good martial arts. The bamboo. And, but I don't remember, didn't remember any of the plot, apparently. I didn't either. And I was, like, shocked. I was like, wait, she's not blind? And I'm like, well, I guess I thought that was a possibility. And then I'm like, wait, the madam is the head of the House of Flying Daggers? Wait, this was all planned? Wait, he's the, he, Leo's part of them, too? I was like, am I getting dumber? Which is very possible. <laughs> or, or like, because I was like, what? 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 I'm like, yeah, so yeah, I guess I'm just dumber. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Because we're we're introduced to these, at times, these kind of like figurative characters. Like at the beginning, the, the movie makes us think we're trying to figure out who is the head of the House of Flying Daggers. Um, you know, and then at one point when after they get attacked in the field by the soldiers um you know he has uh jin has the confrontation with leo like what the hell i thought why did they actually attack me and and uh and he throws out this figure of the general and who's the general and but i don't think like that never comes back and like we get nia kind of at the end um is like the head of that but there's like there's some of these like almost, uh, I don't know, figurative or like mythical leads of these two factions. And I, you know, I, and there's times where I felt like, oh, I don't, they didn't really answer what happened here. Um, or I guess just in general at the end, like we don't really know, you know, like, well, what happens with the House of Flying Daggers? What happens with this conflict? Like we're kind of, we go into the movie thinking, this conflict is what it's about. Um, it, just like a, going back to Hero, and like having seen this originally, thinking like if I had come in and the last movie I'd seen from this director was Hero, where it's all about this, we're going to have this confrontation that is going to then set set upon the future of China. But ultimately, like we don't really get any direction there at the end. And I'm just interested from you guys, like did you feel like that was a detriment to the movie like did you care about that or did you think 
you know, that it ultimately it ended up that not being what the movie was about. I, well, I, I'm interested I, in your to, thoughts on that. To to revisit what I said earlier, I think that was the movie's one of the movie's major strengths, because if it was like Hero, Hero was much more um, about the the political climate of the time and about the politics. Whereas this movie, you have Nia, who you barely see. You have the general who you never see and the emperor who you never see and all this collateral damage and you don't even know why they're fighting you don't even know if it was worth it you just know you have bodies left and i think that's one of the points of this movie and and i have to admit and as as i get older i become more and more jaded about war like and this movie kind of makes me feel like you know these people would all be alive if it wasn't for the squabbling that they're doing for whatever reason and we don't even know and if you start to give reasons for it then you're like oh their deaths weren't in vain i felt like their deaths were in vain and i felt like that was on purpose it was intentional because they were trying to say look you know you have these two factions they're fighting over something everyone's willing to die for it and the wheel just keeps turning and we have you know you have love and you have death and Yet the bullshit just keeps rolling, you know, that causes all these things. So in a way, I find that the ambiguity of the greater struggle um, makes this, uh, the suffering and the sacrifice of the characters more personal. Yeah. And then even on like a more technical level, you know, Mike, you were saying like, it feels like we're missing pieces of the story. I, I was thinking like, oh, was this, you know, released in China? Like, you know, there's an extra 30 minutes. It's a two and a half hour, maybe three hour movie. But this is like with Hero, which was substantially cut. That was like a, a Weinstein thing. And, you know, Harvey Scissorhands, as he was called at the time, edited the crap out of Hero. But this was a focus feature, which I think is the classiest studio we've ever. Um, so so they're, they're kind of more, Ooh, yeah. uh, you know, they let the creatives, you know, do their thing. So, you know, if there's this is the the cut of the movie so it's not like we're missing parts of the story that were, were edited out for for running time to get more you know you know ru- you know more shows in a day at a, at a multiplex so yeah it, it right. is interesting what's missing right right and it's uh, i mean i think it's probably uh, well not probably it's intentional by the director to kind of leave that up there um, yeah, I, I know I wasn't I wasn't super bothered by it because I felt that ultimately it was almost better that, no, this is really more about those three and, yes. uh, you know, and their triangle and that I didn't need this other stuff that right. that was more just uh, like that was a ploy. I mean, speaking of ploys, like this is something that's kind of interesting if you look at it, with all three of these at different parts in the movie. Uh, you know, and once we kind of understand the whole story of what's going on is as much as is revealed here, there's different moments where each of the characters sees themselves as the one who is in control of the action or the future or what's happening in the future and looking at the other person as their pawn. And, but it's interesting. I still, I don't like, I don't know. Looking back, it does any of them actually have agency over what happened to them? Uh, you know, was any of them there's at different times I, I will look at it and feel like, oh, Jin was a complete pawn here or was May a pawn or no, was Leo a pawn? Um, well, in the dub, it, I, so I mean, in, in, like, in the in the in the I didn't watch a dub. I watched the um, 
subtitles and they use the word pawn. It's like, and, he, and I think Jin says, it's like, they don't care about us. Like, we're just pawns, you know, they, they'll just keep going. And in a couple of times they say the general doesn't care about the soldiers, as many soldiers as it takes. And there is this kind of disposable, they do reference how disposable the characters are. Which, which, you know, and you're right, Mike, that they talk about how, oh, do they have agency? Yes and no. They're working under this umbrella and once, you know, and they're trying to fool each other and they're playing games and developing feelings and it just turns into this big mess. But, like, do you think Nia and the general are going to give a crap at the end of the day? Probably not. They'll be like, oh, that's another soldier. Yep, it's a... They're, to 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 put not too fine a point on it, even though we see these characters as Kirk, Spock, and Bones, the reality is they're all red shirts. Right, right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well yeah. I mean, I like it's interesting watching it a second time. Uh, one of the confrontations between Leo and Jin, uh, and Leo says something. Uh, you know, Jin is because uh, he goes into it kind of nonchalantly, like uh, Jay, you would made that great comment about like, if I die under a skirt then I could, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, whatever. Like I'm, you know, I, I might have some fun with this girl. Obviously we don't know. We know later, like Leo is probably pushing him away from it. Cause he's like, this is my girl. I don't want you messing yeah, around Jin's, with her. Like this is a creep too. <laughs> but he, right. But he, I mean, you look at her and he's like, uh, from his knowledge, he's like, Oh, she's a rebel. Like she was in this brothel. Um, again, not to excuse any of that. Um, right. but, you know, there's just that perspective where, um, you know, he's like, hey, I'm just fun. You know, ultimately, we're just trying to get to this, find where the house is so that we can call in the military and let them wipe them out. Like, that's our job here. And and Leo says something to him, the effect of it's something like, don't some like don't let a game become reality. And, you know, and he and Jin's response is kind of nonchalantly like. Who cares as long as, like, what do you say? It's don't let a game become reality and ruin our plan. And Jin says something in response to the effect of, well, who really cares as long as we get to the end with our plan? Uh, as, long as long as, as the, the plan effect, works. Right, as long as the plan works, who cares? And, mm -hmm. and it's interesting, like, but ultimately that is what, like, at different levels, like, who thinks this is a game? And, you know, at the end, it, it's not a game. This is not a game. <laughs> yeah, it's war. Yeah, it's right. war. It, it, it's it's love and it's during war. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm being a broken record with that. But that's the kind of the message I got from that is you, you think you're going to get this, you know, action adventure love story. And what you get is a tragedy to the backdrop of war, basically. Yeah, this is a nice... And I think the director does a good job of conveying yeah. that subtly. Very subtly, in fact. He does. Yeah, it's it's very well told. Um, you know, but it's it's a nice lighthearted romp that leaves you leaves <laughs> you feel leaves you feeling happy. Yeah. <laughs> um I you know, speaking of lighthearted romps, I'm thinking maybe it's time to romp into uh the actual science corner. Oh wait, I had to do one? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, Matt already did it. All right. Yeah, Matt. Him. Science. So I was on the fence. I was either gonna do bamboo, 
because like that seems so cool i'm like i want to learn more about bamboo and it's actually really cool it's actually a big grass <laughs> side note but instead i'm going to talk about blindness even though no one is blind in this movie so so if we choose to do like rogue one as a martial arts movie then i'm, I'm screwed <laughs> but um so Dude, we have zatochi out there just waiting for us yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do the blindness one today because it's pretty interesting so you know as you know the 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 lead you know she pretends to be blind and you know then she's not um so let's first of all i want to talk about what blindness is and then i'd like to talk about how like blindness affects your performance all right so first things first um blindness is just of strongest the strongest form of visual impairment in america I, uh, we have like six categories of visual impairment and the last three are considered blindness uh and then like six is like you see nothing but like you can see a little bit and a little bit more and then you'd be like four five and six but anyway um it's amazing i actually realized how common blindness is there are 39 million blind people on earth just to give you an idea there are 40 million people in california so essentially if we took all the wow. blind people put them in california that would be the land of the blind like seriously <laughs> there's a lot of blind people what's sad is most of those blind people do not live in countries with good health care they tend to live in places in, in poorer countries and they tend to be elderly people so sad truth is um it's poor people who end up being blind so it's probably preventable which is kind of sad um half the people that are blind a little over half people blind have cataracts if you don't know what cataracts is that's where your uh, lenses become cloudy full of clumps of protein or pigment you can actually replace them with um, synthetic lenses and they work just fine um about eight percent of people who get glaucoma that'll blind you um and then five percent is macular degeneration and then you have you know brain issues and you know extreme nearsightedness extreme farsightedness infection injuries and stuff like that all right so that's blindness um what is interesting is there's this stereotype that when you lose a sense your other senses are elevated Mm -hmm. um and in this movie they talk about how not only is the main character should be not only is the ability for her to fight just as good as someone who can see but also she should be more acute so um a couple things to talk about um blindness actually there's lots of blind athletes and and it's and it's actually really interesting so marla runyon uh was um is the woman's five five k national champ three times and she placed eighth eighth in the olympic uh one and a half k in 2000 run blind like uh, that's incredible yeah so yeah. you know um there's a blind man man eric wine Weinmayer, i'm probably mispronouncing it climbed the climb to the summit of mount everest Jeez. uh trisha zorn is a 55 time Paralympic swimmer, a 50-time meddling Paralympic swimmer. That is the mm -hmm. most successful para-athlete ever 
is wow. this blind woman. Um, and then more on martial arts, uh, Tony Clark was a, is a medal Australian national judo champion. So, so a blind man could definitely mess you up, and he's proof of that. <laughs> and then there's a very interesting thing I read about. There's a man in Scotland. His name is David Black, and he is a martial artist and martial arts instructor who's mm. fully blind, and he teaches self-defense for the blind, which is Oh, that's awesome. really cool. That, that is, awesome. is awesome. Good for them. So, so I, I, you know, are there athletes who are blind? Hells yeah. So now, now to the part that, like, everyone's interested in. Like, is Daredevil a thing? Do your senses become do your other senses become enhanced if you're blind? And the answer is kinda. Actually, it's pretty interesting. Ooh. So, so okay. First, let's dispel some myths. So, if you watch Daredevil, the dude has echolocation. He can hear things, smell things, you know, feel things that no other human can. That's not gonna happen because keep in mind your sense organs, like your ears in your tongue and the receptors on your tongue and the receptors in your nose and the receptors in your skin, etc., and your other receptors. And there's more than five senses. That's just kind of a silly term. Um, those things are still the same. So the hardware in your ear can only hear certain frequencies. Your ear is not going to change if you lose your vision. So it's not like you're all of a sudden going to hear a dog whistle. If you go blind, there's been no, that, that kind of, no, it's true. That kind of thing isn't going to happen. Right. Um, but what is interesting is your brain changes and this concept is called neuroplasticity. And it's Ooh. actually fascinating that this research in neuroplasticity due to sensory loss of loss of one sense is extremely new, extremely new. Every paper I found on it had come out in the past 10 years it, or past 11 years. It is very, we don't know anything about this, right? Uh, so couple interesting things um this tends to happen to people with earlier blindness so you go blind as a kid or you're born blind that actually um they looked at the nature of the brain in kids that had early onset blindness and they noticed that the connectivity was different so the part of your brain that processes visual information is the back of your head which is called the occipital lobe there was decreased connectivity between the other lobes and the occipital lobe, but there was increased connectivity with other parts of the brain. Basically put the brain rewired itself to avoid the part it wasn't using and connect the other parts more strongly, which is, which is fact, which you can do that. I mean, your, your, your neurons in your brain can connect to, to connect all kinds of things. So essentially it was rewired um, to prioritize other parts of the brain that actually were connected to parts that work. Mm -hmm. um, another interesting thing is blind subjects have more refined hearing. So they can't, he so they, oh. can, they can't hear sound. So it's not like they hear sounds we can't hear. But what they can do, which is fascinating, is they are more tuned to sounds. So when we hear a sound, we like, okay, it's a range between this and that. With them, that range is finer they know the pitch hmm. they can they can distinguish the pitch better um the direction better and a bunch of other things so basically even though they can detect the same stimuli they process it more acutely due to this rewiring so there is actually 
some there is actually a lot of there's the, the brain actually changed itself quite a bit um yeah so it's there is a case to be said that people's brains do make their senses more acute not beyond the limits of people who can see but a more refined version of that which makes sense and also you got to keep in mind you also have conditioning you practice so if you're a blind person and you're walking around you're listening more so you have that practice that comes into play too so in theory a person that is blind who relies on those other senses more will probably get better what's the word i'm looking for uh more refined use out of them and if it comes to a situation with martial arts where they can use those senses they might have an advantage so it's really interesting yeah and what's most interesting we don't know the half of it so i hope in our lifetime we get we've learned some really really cool things about this because this is fascinating the amount we don't know is more fascinating than the amount we do know oh one other thing yeah. before we go have you ever heard the um you only use like 10% of your brain or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Bullshit. Bullshit. Next time someone I've heard says that's that, a lie. It's baloney. It's baloney. It's not true. You use our brains are big and they're expensive and we wouldn't have them if we didn't use the whole thing. And this is a perfect <laughs> example. No, it's a perfect example of that. You got this big yeah. old brain in your head. You got to constantly keep it going. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know if you're not using a part of it those parts rewire because you use the whole thing right there it is fascinating another wonderful educational segment you know that is really interesting and interesting how much of that research is really recent yeah yeah that is cool pretty stuff. cool i mean i still think that if that blindness is caused by saving an old man who's about to get run over by a truck of toxic waste and that waste gets in your eyes, maybe it will create enhanced abilities up to and including echolocation. And what you know, if that also say? overflowed into four different turtles? <laughs> right. It's, so as a fun side note, after we did our Ninja Turtle episode, I think I talked via Twitter, I went and actually read the original Ninja Turtle, the Mirage comics that uh, our friend and guest Sophie was way cooler at having read them than I was when I was a teenager. And their introductions, like it mirrors the the Daredevil introduction. Like that, there's a scene that is that exact same, like it's Daredevil's origin story. But it's like after the toxic waste like hits the kid who saves someone, it then rolls into the sewer. So like you could read that and be like, Daredevil is created here. And then the leftover toxic waste then cr also created the ninja turtles so it's all connected so i, got, I gotta bring up I, I gotta bring up a side note every time i read a, a superhero origin story where it's like some sort of industrial or toxic waste that gives them superpowers <laughs> i think of the episode of um family guy where they all get like toxic waste dumped on them and get superpowers and then the mayor who is also adam west was played by Adam West, wants superpowers too. So he rolls around in toxic waste. And then you see him in the doctor's office and they're like, you have lymphoma. What were you thinking? <laughs> so every time I see an origin story like that, I'm like, you have lymphoma. What were you thinking? 
<laughs> See, I just I just think of the ending of RoboCop when the one the one bad guy's like, oh, oh yeah. Murphy, I'm a mess. He just melts. <laughs> uh, That's well, that gonna be wonderful. insane because I want to know how accurate that is. Oh, <laughs> Can you turn hmm. someone into slurry? With... <laughs> it just means we have to cover RoboCop. So RoboCop, yeah, that's have uh, you researched that? It, yeah, if we can, it's Gunfu. Let's we could we could make yeah. it work. I he, exactly. Yep, there, it's out. coming to an episode near you soon. RoboCop, uh, <laughs> which I just love that movie, but. As for this movie, again, House of Flying Daggers, um, any final thoughts that you want to share before we bring this puppy home? I have a quick uh, question. Uh, I'm going to throw out a Huntone-esque question. Uh, for all of you, actually. Uh, at what point do you think Jin kind of falls for Zhang Ziyi? Like I, I've, throughout the movie, there's different moments where I'm like, oh, this is where he's like, he, he kind of like is like, okay, I'm no longer doing this. I actually just didn't I might be in love with this person. I was hoping you two, you you three, could, you know, let me know when you think that happens because I I'm unsure. Hmm. I want to hear Matt first. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure either. It's an interesting question. I, I'm gonna pass. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't remember because I feel like there's so much unrequited back and forth flirting, like. Yeah. He tries to hook up with her and she says no. Then she tries to hook up with him and then he says no. And I'm like, maybe it was some point in between there. And but like I think that's a strength of the movie, you know. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, how absolutely. real life works. It's yeah, not like right. you know, you're not walking down the street and you see someone and like, I'm in love. It's like that's not how real life right, works. Right, right, right. Yeah. And 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 which is a strength of the movie because you're like, it could have been then, it could have been that, or it could have been in retrospect. Like Knows. right yeah love is ugly is what works and it makes yeah. the movie special definitely yeah the the smart ass in me wants to say oh it's when he watched her take a bath um but i think to me really right it's hard to say it to me i think it's after the the field scene and that i feel like there's a moment there when he you know he comes back to save her when he was not expecting that attack and does that Again, speaking of bullseye-esque moves, when he does the, like, shield ricochet to take out the one guy, that it, uh, to me, I, that's how I kind of view it, that at that point, he realizes, like, one, he's, now he's kind of, he's in above his head, in that uh, I don't understand, you know, when he gets mad going back to Leo after, like, I don't understand, now we're being attacked, why am I being attacked? And, you know, he has that really beautiful moment where he's like the horse florist going mm. around uh, picking up the flowers. Like, I think that's a nice gesture, but I think it's like, there's the moment that it's kind of like, this is a fun, sweet thing for him to do. And then mm. when he sees like her truly in danger and uh, you know, he just out of instinct then does has this, you know, his amazing archery skills and uh, you know, saves her. I feel like that's a moment where, uh, Again, just to me watching it, I feel like maybe that's when he starts thinking, like, you know, everything else is bullshit. Like, this whole thing that I think I'm involved in is bullshit. I have no idea what's going on, but I care about her enough that, like, you know, I've now have actually killed soldiers that are supposed to be on my team. And, you know, and I don't feel 
bad about it because I, it's, to me, that's where I think the at least the flip kind of switches where it goes from being a game to, you know, no, this is this is my thing now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. two cents. It's a good question. And right, it's great that it isn't like, I mean, if we had that moment where it's just all of a sudden, I'm in love, like, well, that's not realistic. That's not how people are, right? So right. It, it's not a Gary Marshall is. movie. Right, 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 right. So I good love stuff. you. Good stuff. Well, guys, this is like this the second romantic movie in theory because Fist of Fury before this had at least the only Bruce romance moments oh, after yeah. so maybe this is a very romantic year for punches and popcorn i don't know we'll, we'll the see softer side of punches and popcorn. the softer side um well just speaking for myself and having spent a week at an all-inclusive uh the softer side of me is every side right now uh <laughs> but you know i'll work on that so uh and if the camera apparently maybe makes it look like i have then uh you know i'm gonna justify that so Guys, this is a blast again. Can't wait for our next one. Um, Matt, what do we what do our friends at Lunchador have going on right now that our audience should check out? Oh, let's see. Uh Food About Town is is rocking still. Um also shout out to our, our buddy uh Chris. If you check out nominatemeals.com, uh there's always events going on every two weeks down at Three Heads. Uh get yourself a nice uh nice meal. Um Anomaly Presents, uh, we've got episodes coming up. I think I referenced earlier, we're going to do Fateful Findings, uh, Neil Breen's uh, masterpiece, along with Dan Zig's Verotic, um, (laughs) a movie that answers the timeless question, what if nipples were eyeballs but also spiders? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, yes. Wonderful. We'll check those out. And of course, we have in sunny Rochester coming up in November, the fifth annual Anomaly Film Festival. And they are going deep to call back to our previous uh, great conversation. They are going deep, five days deep of Anomaly Film Festival, November 8th through 12th, 2023. So join us in sunny, uh, the sunny metropolis of Rochester. Um, Yeah. Otherwise, Hey, uh, hey, hey, Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike. There's one yeah. more show on Lunchador we should be plugging. <laughs> there is. There is. Uh, you should also, if you are of the, if you are big movie fans, Oscar movie fans, as uh, we all are, myself and my buddy Jay, the genius here, have a side project with our friend Jackie McGriff, who joined us uh, as a special guest for the Raid episode, which you should definitely listen to if you've missed that. Uh, The three of us are diving into the nominees for the 95th Academy Awards. Uh, It's just a limited series right now. We're going category by category. Uh, At times, we just did an episode on the writing awards. We're joined by a whole boatload of friends from The Little. uh, That was a blast, marathonic conversation. Uh, So if you're into Oscar movies, check that out. All that is on the uh, Lunch Door Podcast Network and available just like we are on all your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, you can find us on our socials. Oh, uh, we Mike, are Punches Mike, and Popcorn. Mike, yeah. there's one more show we have to talk about. What else are we talking Coming about? Coming soon to the Lunch at Our Podcast Network, it's We Need to Talk About, We Need to Talk About the Oscars, a podcast about the uh, podcast 
we need to talk about the Oscars hosted by <laughs> Dom the Walking Weapon Demore and Matt Knox. Um, we're going to do a deep dive into the deep dive that is uh, we need to talk about the Oscars. Oh, you basically, already I'm know. Just, basically, I'm just going to roast you the whole time for not letting me on the show. <laughs> Stay tuned. Our first episode, I think, is going to be about nine hours long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we... So, you know, Jay and I, especially through the Oscar podcast, we keep throwing out ideas of different uh, specific focus podcasts we should do. Well, we talked about here the Monster cast, and then we've talked about, like, the Denzel cast. Jay and I were talking about I want to do a Danny Trejo cast. So we think actually the next podcast we need is a podcast where we talk about the different podcasts we want to do. I, and write a coffee table podcasts. book oh about God. coffee tables. <laughs> and I don't know how we could, any, in any better way, end this conversation. I, please call it so. Podception. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> good night and good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'll do the intro later. Nailed it. There we go. Nice work, fellas. Uh, We finished before midnight.